I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. There was a race, and there's one good thing about being a church planter and a runner, and that is you get to meet lots of people who run. Um, the bad thing is, on Gasparilla Sunday, they're all running the half marathon <laughs> down there while you're having church. So um, we are, we're missing a few of our people who ran a race this week, but we are so grateful for those of you who are running this race of Christianity and are here today. So thank you for that. This is what I have found in my life. There are two kinds of people in the world. Two kinds of people. There is this group of people who like starts a book and they read from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. And that's just like how they read the book. Okay, that's one type of person. They put a cake in the oven at 350 degrees and the, the recipe says bake it for 35 minutes and they put it in there at 350 degrees and they set a timer for 35 minutes and they go back and they pull the cake out of the oven at 35 minutes. There are people in this world who start a Netflix series on TV and they watch episode by episode to get through to the series. Those are weird people. I am not those people. I am a normal person. I read the first six chapters of a book and then I flip to the end and read the last chapter so I know what to expect at the end. I watch a Netflix series with Chris and I Google how it ends and I don't tell it, but I like, I don't sit there and watch series like episode by episode to figure out how it ends. I, I don't do that. I bake a cake and every five minutes I stick a toothpick in it just to make sure that it's cooking, okay? These are my, nor where are my normal people at here who do not like waiting until the very end of things, right? Um, Y'all are normal. Thank you for being here. This is what I've also found, whether you wait, um, you know, like you're supposed to or you wait like me trying to figure out how it's going to end. This is what we usually do when we wait. The first thing we do is we prioritize productivity. So that's Erica going to stick the toothpick in the cake every five minutes when it's cooking because I can do something during the waiting, right? When there's a party that's going to happen, I, I just... Like ramp up the anxiety and get all the things done. You prioritize productivity when you wait. But some of you are waiting for something major in your life right now and you are prioritizing productivity. You are doing all of these things to make something work, right? Most of us humans wait by prioritizing productivity. The second thing we do is we begin to manage our lives. Okay, we, we begin to just, you know, do everything the exact way we want. We try to figure out how to manage every piece of everything because maybe if we can control something while we wait, we can figure it out. Okay, this is only me, right? Uh, Y'all don't do this, do you? The third thing you do is you listen to endless podcasts about how to hack Time. Has anyone heard of this, like how you hack time? You know, you, um, you do the one-touch cleaning when you take the uh, Keurig K-cup out of the pot. You take it directly to the trash can. You don't sit it down first. You like, you know, like you figure out how to hack time. It, increase um, the amount of things that you can do. Um, and then people, when we wait, this is a common phrase that folks say, we're just going to figure out how to make things work. It's this sense of like forcing something even when it's not there. I'm going to tell you guys um, that the, uh, 
so those are the four things we do. And then sometimes folks say, oh, we're just going to wait and see. Have you heard this before? We're just going to wait and see how it turns out. I'm here to tell you this morning that none of these ways are the way that Jesus waits. If you are waiting for something in your life and you want to wait differently than trying to control everything around you, Jesus is a really good example of how we can wait. Jesus is a really good example of how we can wait. I just need to tell y'all the reason that I follow Jesus is because I like to know how the story ends. I am the person, I told you guys, I'm the person who flips to the end of the book and figures out how it, how it ends. I look up who wins the amazing race before I watch the whole season. That's who I am. That's how I operate. And I need to tell y'all, I follow Jesus. And my very favorite thing about following Jesus is I know how it's going to end. I know that the pain and the shame and the waiting and the brokenness that we're experiencing today is not going to have the final word. I live my life believing that one day the power of Jesus is going to be more powerful than all of that stuff. I believe that Jesus went to the cross and he bore my sin and my shame and my pain and my grief and all the brokenness of this world. And I believe he died and I believe for three days people just like me and you were really worried about the what the future was going to look like. I believe they were scared and anxious and fearful. I believe this and I've lived it. I've lived it sometimes and this is what I know, that at the end of three days there was an empty tomb and Jesus defeated all of the things that we think will crush us and destroy us in the waiting. For those of you who are like, hmm, uh, I told you I don't like waiting until the end for things, so I usually leave that part for the end of the sermon, but for those people like me this morning, I'm just letting you know that the Jesus we follow will have the last word. There are some biblical ways for us to wait, but there is one thing that we have to have faith in while we're waiting, and that is that the pain and the brokenness, the shame and the sin of today will not have power at the end. It will not because of the power of Jesus. He died on a cross and he rose again, and, and because of that, the end is not going to look like it looks today. There is hope in the waiting, and I need you to hear me. There is hope in the waiting. That's why I follow Jesus, because I like to know how the end will turn out. I like to know how the end will turn out. This is what I have come to find out about following Jesus, though, that part of me is a little bit sassy. And I'm like, Jesus, you have no idea what it's like to wait, right? Like, you're God. You knew this was going to happen. You knew what it was going to look like. Like, how, what can you teach me about waiting? And as I studied about the life of Jesus this week, I was overcome by how much of his life was lived in waiting. He was born in a stable to a virgin and her husband, well, it wasn't her husband yet, it was Joseph, then that, I don't know, it's complicated. Uh, <laughs> Jesus' birth was complicated, okay? But he was born, and he was born as the Son of God, and shepherds and wise men came to, to, to worship him. And then, at, when he, like when he's a toddler, his family has to flee from where they are to a different place because he is uh, under threat of persecution. Like his family is literally waiting out this oppressive regime to leave so that Jesus can even live and thrive in the world. Even before Jesus was, was speaking clearly or, or, or reading or any of those kinds of things, Jesus already knew what it was like to live in waiting, waiting for this oppressive government to end, waiting for a new day to start. Jesus knew this. When Jesus was 12 years old, he goes to a temple. 
And he, it is very clear. God makes it very clear to him. He's the son of God. He's going to preach and lead all these people and do all this amazing stuff. He even gets lost from his parents. They have no idea where he is. He's 12 years old, the same age as those dozen kids I took to see manatees last week from our youth group. 12 years old. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do. And y'all know what? He waits 18 years, 18 years to be sent out into a desert, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 18 years he waited. The Son of God waited for 18 years to begin the ministry that he knew God had called him to. I told God, I was like, do you know how long that is in Erica years? Uh, like that, please don't do that to me. <laughs> do not make me wait 18 years for these things. But Jesus knows what it's like to wait. Jesus knows what it's like to wait. But he doesn't just know what it's like. He's not just been there and understand what it is we're going through. Because some of you are waiting. You've been waiting for a really long time for a partner or some kind of meaningful relationship in your life. You've been waiting for, for some kind of healing or, or experience where this medical diagnosis or this disease does not have power over you anymore. You've been waiting for that. Some of you in this room, in this very room, are waiting for the depression or anxiety to lose grip on your life. You're waiting for sobriety to not be so doggone hard. You're waiting for something this morning. You're waiting for a new job. You're waiting for purpose. You're waiting for an answer. You're waiting for something. How do we wait? How do we wait? And this is what Jesus shows us. Jesus shows us how we can wait. This is what Jesus believes. He believes that God is going to do good things. And this is what, more than anything, I'm going to tell you some things Jesus did, but more than anything, this is what I recognized about what Jesus does to wait. And that is that Jesus recognizes that time is not ours. It is a gift from God. The time that we are sitting in here right now is not my time. It's not your time. It's not our time. This time, this moment that we've been given right now, this is God's time. And Jesus does this really good job of recognizing every hour, every second, every moment. Jesus recognizes that it is a gift from God and he lives his life with gratitude to God and gives his life over as an offering back to God every single second. He recognizes that every second Every minute, every day, every week, every month, every year is an opportunity to give his life to God. It's an opportunity to bring glory to God. He says it over and over and over. One of the Gospels, Jesus says hour, like the hour has come 35 times. 35 times he says hour. Time is important to Jesus and he recognizes that it is a gift from God. And then he lives his life in a way that gives his life back to God over and over and over again, no matter what he faces. No matter what he faces, he gives his life back to God. So let's figure out how we can live in a way when we are waiting for a job or a relationship or purpose or our finances to make sense or whatever it is that you are waiting for this morning. How do we wait for God's good things? And the first thing that Jesus shows us is that we draw close to the goodness of God. 
When Jesus was 30 years old in Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 and 2, Jesus was sent out. He was tested in the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let me tell y'all what happens when I find myself in wildernesses in my life. When I feel like God has put me in some, some place that I don't want to be in. Let me tell you what I do. I eat chocolate. I love dark chocolate with caramel. I drink coffee. I hang out with my friends. I order Chick-fil-A. That's what I do when I have to wait. I complain to my friends about what I'm having to deal with. When I have to wait, when I'm put in some place that I don't want to be in, that's what I do. What is it that you do when you're in that place? When you're in a place where you are somewhere where you don't want to be, you feel like maybe even God has sent you, this is what Jesus is in. He's in the wilderness, in the desert. Things are not cushy. This is not like a five-star luxury hotel with a beautiful mountain view. He's in the wilderness. Things aren't good. He doesn't like being here. This is where I eat chocolate. I drink coffee. Even have some Celsius if I need to. But this is not what Jesus does. Listen to what he does. He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And this tempter comes and asks him for all these things. But for 40 days, Jesus fasts. He draws close to God. In, in our lives... In our lives, we feast on whatever it is we can get our hands on. And what Jesus did was fast and draw close to the goodness of God. When the tempter comes, Jesus answers with Scripture. He, he answers with pieces of the Bible back to the tempter because he spent time close to the, to the goodness of God. He feasted on the Word of God. He spent time in the presence of God. He prayed, begged God to draw him closer to him. He thought about all the moments that God had been good and faithful for 40 years. He read the Bible, guys. He read the story of, of God leading the Israelites out of oppression and slavery through Moses who couldn't even speak well. He reads the story of, Jesus, of God parting the Red Sea and the, and the people of Israel walking right across it. And he says there's something about waiting I'm going to remember these stories and your faithfulness. He draws close to the goodness of God. If you find yourself waiting right now, guys, I'm telling you this because this has made a difference in my week. I did not start this week ready and excited for another six months before we go to a permanent worship location. I started this week wanting it to happen tomorrow, right? But this week, I leaned into the goodness of God. I spent time reading scripture. I spent time praying. I spent time in my small group. I spent time drawing close to the presence of God. I savored and read the Bible. I prayed. I didn't fast. I ate some chocolate. I'm sorry. But I drew close to God. And when you draw close to that goodness of God, it doesn't make the waiting easier. It doesn't make it go away. It doesn't make it make sense. But in it, you begin to find purpose in something larger than just what it is you're waiting for. And that's what Jesus found. He found purpose as the Son of God. He drew close to the goodness of God and he savored it when he was drove out into a place he didn't want to be in. The second thing that he did was oppose productivity. So if you know me, I love to be productive and I love to do nine million things when I'm waiting because it distracts me from the fact that I have to be patient and I'm waiting. Chris is like, yep, that's what she does. Um, but this is not what God does. This is not what Jesus does. 
Jesus is waiting for his death. I can tell you guys, I've been around people at the end. And there is always someone around the the family when we're waiting with somebody who's keeping busy, doing all the things, making sure everything's perfectly clean and and ready. Jesus does not do that. He knows he is meeting his death. And do you know what he does? I want you to hear what he does at the Garden of Gethsemane. He went with his disciples to a place of Gethsemane's and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Jesus has all the power. He has all the power to fix everything that's gone wrong. He can go find Judas who's betraying him as he's praying. He can go figure out how to, how to get enough money to get himself out of it. He can do anything he wants at that moment to be productive and fix the problem. But what does Jesus do? He prays. He draws away and prays. The disciples then go to sleep. Chris tells us about this last week. They go to sleep. And then what does Jesus do? He goes back and he prays some more. People around him don't do what he wants. They don't wait for what it is God's saying wait for. They figure out how to be productive. They they sleep. They want to be ready for this fight they might have to fight in a little bit. But what does Jesus do? He draws away to pray. Get present with God. He does it three times. He went away a second time and he prayed. He went away a third time and and prayed. And he said the same thing every time. God, your will, not mine. God, your will, not mine. If you are waiting right now for something, oppose productivity. Maybe quit sending so many resumes. Maybe quit interviewing for nine million jobs. Maybe quit trying every self-help book you can get your hands on. Maybe quit watching to the end of the Netflix series and practice waiting just a little bit. Oppose productivity and spend time in prayer. It's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did when he waited. The third thing that Jesus does is he has, he waits with outstanding strength and hope. Outstanding strength and hope. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's arrested Uh, Things like just kind of fall apart. Uh, And he is before Pontius Pilate and the Sanhedrin. He's standing before all these government officials after he's been mocked and things are really going south quick. And Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, who's waited for 33 years to save the world, is before the religious elite of the day. He stands before them and, and they ask him. The governor looks at him and says, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Jesus is the son of God. He was super charismatic. Millions of people sat at his feet to hear what he had to say about how to follow God. And in a moment where he knew he had to wait to save the whole world, he didn't speak. Some of you are talking a whole lot while you're waiting. Some of us are talking a whole lot while we're waiting. Jesus says, why do I need to speak right now? My actions and my presence being here before these people, that says enough. Some of you, while you're waiting, I'm going to ask you not to speak, to be silent, to have a strength and a hope 
and what it is that's coming and quit talking so much because then you might be able to listen. I have to wonder. I have to wonder if while Jesus is standing there being mocked as, as, as everything that he's done, as the, as the crowd cries, crucify him because he's not spoken, perhaps he's in tune with the Spirit of God who's whispering over him, you are my beloved child and I am well pleased. I have to wonder if God wasn't saying, you were created to save the world. I have to wonder what it is the Father of Jesus was speaking, the God of the world was speaking into his ear because he faces the next few moments of his life, the next few minutes of his life with a strength and hope that has never been displayed in the world. I have to wonder what he heard when he stopped talking and if that wasn't the fuel for strength and hope, an outstanding strength and hope in the midst of it. And then the final thing that I think Jesus shows us what to do as we wait is this determined endurance. He doesn't give up. He keeps pressing on. When they came to arrest him, uh, Peter, one of his closest disciples, takes his sword out of his pocket and he cuts the ear off of one of the Roman soldiers that was was there. And Jesus says, put your sword back in its place for all who draw the sword will will die by the sword. And then he looks at Peter, the disciples, and everybody that's there to arrest him. And he says this, Do you think I can't call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In the moment when Jesus could have said anything in the world, he reminds people, I've got the power to escape this. But I am going to have a determined endurance to save the world. There is a sense to which God's good work happens because Jesus just keeps showing up. This is what Jesus teaches us. There's always enough time for God to do good things. He didn't rush through it. He didn't push the gas pedal and try to make it easier. He didn't didn't hit every escape hatch he could pull. Jesus taught us there's always enough time for God to do good things. I live my life believing the very opposite of that most of the time. If it could just happen like I want it right now, if you could just do what I say right now, I may have said it to some people showing up, uh, setting up this morning, but Jesus teaches us there's always enough time for God to do good things because sometimes God is changing it. Sometimes God is changing the situation, the it while we wait, and sometimes God is changing you while we wait. And we don't ever know which one it is, but Jesus surrenders in the waiting to whatever the will is for God because he's just grateful for the moment he's been given because it's an opportunity for him to glorify God. This week, I need to tell y'all, I'm the most competitive person I know. I love to win at everything I play. And this week, I saw a story that absolutely, it, it just absolutely touched me because it was the definition of waiting. There was a little league basketball um, championship game and one team had a kid who has down syndrome he's not been able to score the whole season their team and they were losing by two points with like seven seconds to go to the team that's about to win the championship and the one of the guys on on you know the opposing team passes it to his player he dribbles up the court and I think I have a video of it can you can you play that video look what happens here they're winning the game it's tied 
The opposing player gets it, passes it to him and tells him to shoot. The buzzer goes off and he scores. And the team lost the game. And the, this team won the game because the other kid hit it. And I was like, what a lesson to teach us while we're waiting. These, this team, it's their last year that they can play in this age division level. It's the last time they can win the game. And what they did when they had been waiting for all of this moment is they chose to use that moment to glorify something bigger, to make it about something bigger than a win and a championship. And they made it about a kid who wanted to shoot a shot and win the game. He'll remember that for the rest of his life. They probably won't remember a a 10-year-old Little League basketball game championship, right? But this is what it looks like to wait sometimes. The outcome may not look like what we thought it was going to look like. It may not be the win that you thought it was going to be. It may not be the job or the financial break or the diagnosis or the relationship that you thought it was going to be. But God is doing something good anyway. And God has enough time for those good things to happen. If you're here this morning and you don't believe, if you've never had the opportunity to follow Jesus, this is the morning to do it. Give your life to the person, to the God who taught us to wait. I invite you to do that this morning. If you're here this morning and you're really tired of waiting for the good things that God is doing in your life, hear this truth this morning. God's got enough time to do good things. And God wants to do good things through you. God wants to see you shine light and ignite change. God wants to use your hands and your feet, your heart, your life, your body. And it might not end up like we thought it was going to, but the people who need to be glorified and raised up will be glorified and raised up. You may not win the championship trophy. You may not win the promotion. You may not, it may not look like you want it to look. But it is a moment. Every moment you've been given is a moment to glorify God's goodness in this world. How will you do that today? Because this moment is, is one of those moments. How will you do that tomorrow? How will you do that this coming week? How will you glorify God's goodness with every moment you've been given? Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for this moment you have given to us. For those who are waiting for your good things to happen, I lift them up to you and I give you thanks, God, that they're here today, trusting that in the waiting you are doing something good. Show them that today. Amen. Each of you also on your, sheet, on your seats have a um, card that says good, how to, how to be good, how to wait for the good things that God has. If you want to take that, put it in your purse, put it in your wallet, put it in your Bible, whatever it is you have with you so that you can remember God is doing good things and this is some ways that you can wait on it.